Well, hey there, Walnut Hill. So my name is Greg. I am one of the youth pastors here. And on behalf of all of us on staff at, at Walnut Hill, let me just say, welcome. I, I am glad that you are here, whether you are gathered here in this room or if you're watching online, wherever you might be. Uh, you know, if, if you're in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, like my brother Tim. Hey, Tim. Uh, or if you're in Hamden, Connecticut, like my Uncle Bobby. Wherever you are online, welcome. I am glad that you are here. So we're working our way through this summer series called By Faith. Uh, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 11 and, and some of the, the heroes of the faith. Last week, Pastor Adam started us off, set up the series really, really well. Next week, uh, Pastor Craig Mowry will be here, and he's going to be talking about the faith of Abraham. Because that's what we're doing. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about faith. We're going to be hearing from and about people of faith. We're going to be talking about what faith is, how it works, and how we grow in our faith. There is a distinct difference between belief and faith, right? Belief is just an acceptance that a statement is true or that something exists. For example, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I believe Dunkin' Donuts coffee is better than Starbucks coffee. I mean, we're, we're going to divide the room here. <laughs> that's, that's what I believe. And the thing is, I don't have to do anything with that, that belief. I, I can just continue to believe that that statement is true. And you don't have to do anything. Right? You can, you can believe it or not believe it. From the comfort of your seat, wherever you are right now, you can, from your seat, choose to believe that or to not believe that. You don't have to do anything. But faith is different. Faith requires action. James 2.14, James tells us, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Hebrews 11 lists what we often refer to as heroes of the faith, right? It lists people like Abel and Enoch, Noah, Abraham, who we're going to hear about next week, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, the people of Israel, Rahab. They lived by faith, and they lived out that faith. They took action, because faith requires action. We can learn from them, and, and by learning from them, we can grow in our faith. Today we're looking at the story of Gideon. He's mentioned in Hebrews 11.32. How much more do I need to say? Ooh, this is going to be a long one, right? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. Gideon's full story is found in Judges chapters 6, 7, and 8. But as Hebrews 11.32 says, it would take too long to read all of that. So, as Inigo Montoya said, let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 11, tells us, Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. When we meet Gideon, he's hiding. 
He's hiding. He's threshing wheat. Now, when you thresh, threshing, you, you take a pitchfork and you sort of grab the, 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 the wheat and you toss it in the air and the, the wheat that's heavier settles at the bottom and the lighter stuff, the, 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 the chaff, just sort of floats away. And so Gideon is threshing. He's at the bottom of a wine press threshing. And now Gideon is not really anyone of reputation or renown, right? He's, he's not some fearless warrior. He's not a, a champion or a, a, a legendary man of courage. He's just a guy. He, he's just some guy. He was from the least of the least in terms of tribes. He belonged to a pretty unremarkable family uh, of Abizarites. Gideon was just working at whatever he could do because he didn't think that he was fit to serve God. Do you ever feel like that? That because of who you are or what you've done or what you haven't done or because of your family or because of where you come from or whatever excuse you like to use, you think that God can't use you, that God won't use you, that you are unfit to serve. That is a lie from the pit of hell and it smells like smoke. That's what the enemy wants you to think. He wants you to think that God can't or won't use you. But in Isaiah 55, verses eight and nine, God reminds us, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. If the enemy can make you think that you can't or won't be used by God, if the enemy can make you believe that you are unfit to be used, you're gonna stay at the bottom of that wine press. You'll just keep on threshing, just doing whatever happens to come to hand, rather than seeking out what God has created you to do and to be. That's what Gideon was doing. He's, he's hiding. The Israelites were, were starving. They were suffering because of the Midianites. But God had a plan. Judges 6, verses 6 to 11, says, Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. And he said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord, your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live. But you have not listened to me. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizer. And in verse 12, we see the moment when God calls Gideon. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Gideon, and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Here's Gideon with his pitchfork just, just threshing away, right? Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. What? Gideon's confused because God doesn't address him the way he sees himself, right? He sees himself as unfit to serve, but God addresses him according to the way God sees him, mighty hero. 
Those are two very different perspectives. Unfit to serve and mighty hero, the Lord is with you. When I was in college, my friend John uh, wrote a story for the annual literary magazine. And what made his story really interesting was that it told one story from two different perspectives. And the way he, he differentiated between the, the two perspectives in the story was one was written in plain type and the other perspective was written in italics. And it would jump back and forth between the two perspectives. Well, when they formatted the story to print it in the magazine, we're not sure exactly what happened. Maybe someone didn't understand what was going on, but they changed everything to plain type. Suddenly, the, the story didn't make any sense. People were confused. They didn't understand the story because they couldn't see how the story was supposed to be told. It's the same reason Gideon is confused. He didn't see how his story was supposed to be told. We do the same thing, right? We often only see our story from our perspective. But if God himself speaks truth to you and about you, you can believe that's the truth. But right now, in Judges 6.13, Gideon is deep into the lie that he is unfit. And so he says to the angel of the Lord, to God's messenger, Gideon says, sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? I mean, didn't they say, well, the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then God turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon said, how, how can I rescue Israel? I mean, my clan is the, the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. I love this. I love this, because Gideon does the same thing that I do, that I have done. You've probably done the same thing. God speaks truth, and Gideon goes, well, that can't be true. That can't be right. He starts to argue with God. He's showing God why he is wrong, why what God has spoken can't possibly be true. He's arguing with God because he can't see the truth. He's so deep in the lie that God can't use him that when God himself says, I am sending you, I am going to use you, Gideon can't see it. God tells Gideon, you are a mighty hero, and Gideon tells him he's wrong. I've done that. I've done that. I knew early on in my journey with Jesus that, that youth ministry was what God was calling me to. It's sort of like Gideon, I, I remember the moment when I heard that call. There was this one day youth ministry conference at a church in Avon called Valley Community Baptist Church. I'd been following Jesus for all of a month and a half. And I went to this conference. I had, uh, I had volunteered to help out at the, the, the book table. I, I, I didn't even know youth ministry was a thing, right? I'd never even heard that term. But I'm sitting at this book table volunteering to, to sell some books. And I heard people talking about helping students to learn and to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I heard God say, this is what I have for you. 
So I set out to make that happen. I had some, let's just say, less than stellar experiences at some less than stellar churches. One church let church politics and personal agendas divide the church and destroy a thriving ministry. One church brought in a, a guest speaker for a week one summer and theology and doctrine and reason went out the window. And Sunday mornings devolved into chaos. One church, the senior pastor lied to me and about me. And the elders, in spite of seeing and knowing the truth about what he did, they sided with their friend, the senior pastor. And so I, who had done nothing wrong, had to resign from that church. Man, after each of those experiences, I was, I was angry. I said, God, what, what, was, what was that? Why, 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 would you, why would you do that? But I kept pushing and searching and seeking and trying, mostly in my own strength, trying to make this thing happen. So by the time I ended up here at Walnut Hill, man, I was, I was burned out and I was angry. I was tired. It was seriously questioning my call to ministry. God, is this, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? I felt like I, I had missed it or I had, I had messed it up somehow. I was looking into other options because I felt a lot like Gideon, unfit to serve. I just wanted to, to show up at church, worship, and, and go home. And I did that for a little while. And then I started volunteering with the, the youth ministry here. And I started to think, maybe, maybe this is it. Maybe, maybe this is the place. And then I was pre presented with an opportunity. And I was asked to step out of youth ministry and into the children's ministry. I said, what? No, no, I, I was angry. I told God, no, I'm not going to do that. It was so mad. I, I told him, he, he had clearly messed up again. My calling was to, to youth ministry, not, not children's ministry. And then I heard God say, 56ers is youth ministry. This will be your ministry. I am sending you. I had to trust him. I had to step out in faith that this is what he had for me, that he was sending me that he would be with me. 17 years later, here I am still leading that same fifth and sixth grade youth group. Gideon is having that same conversation with God. He, he, he's arguing with God, he's telling God that he's wrong. Chances are you've done the same thing. Maybe you're doing that right now. Has God showed you something? Has God pointed you in a certain direction? Has God called you to something? Now, I'm, I'm not necessarily talking about being called to full-time ministry. That's what God called me to. He might be calling you to something else entirely. God can and wants to use you in areas that, that aren't ministry. Gideon wasn't called to ministry, but he served God. Colossians 3.23 tells us, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord 
rather than for people. What has God called you to? Have you told him no? Have you come up with excuses? Have you come up with with reasons why he's wrong? That's what Gideon is doing. But God doesn't get angry with Gideon. And God doesn't give him a list of things that he has to do beforehand to prepare for this thing that he's calling him to, right? There's, There's no training montage happening right now. God simply tells him, go with the strength you have. I am sending you. I will be with you. And he says the same thing to you today. You've been given gifts and talents and abilities and passions. You have been given those things by God. God has given you those things to prepare you for what he has planned for you. Ephesians 2.10 tells us, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We, you, you are God's masterpiece. Right now, in this moment, just as you are right now, you are God's masterpiece. You've been created anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So that you can do the good things he planned for you long ago. God is saying to you right now, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. You are a mighty hero. Jason Merchant, you are a mighty hero. Elias, you are a mighty hero. You guys watching online, you can't see my friends the Candidos are here. You are mighty heroes. Todd Baggett, you, you are a mighty hero. He is with you. Go with the strength you have because he will be with you. Step out in faith to whatever it is God is calling you to do. Now, it took Gideon a little while to figure all of this out. By the time we get to to Judges chapter 7, Gideon has gone through all kinds of, of questioning and testing and verifying. But God was patient with him, just like he is with us. We see clearly in Judges chapter 7, God had a plan. He had a plan for Gideon. He placed a calling on his life. He does the same with us today. God has a plan for your life. He has placed a calling on your life. Ephesians 4.1 says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. As you ponder that, hear this. Know this. When God placed that call on your life, he already took into account your faults and your failures and your weaknesses, and he called you Anyway, you have been called by God. Now, what makes it challenging for us sometimes is is realizing that that God doesn't need us, right? God is is, is all-powerful. He can do anything, and he wants us to be involved in what he's doing, but he also wants us to understand what is happening and whose power is at work. He has specific plans for us, for you, and he wants you, mighty hero, 
to be a part of that plan. It was the same for Gideon. God's plan was that Gideon would defeat the Midianites. God wanted Gideon to know clearly that he had a plan and it would be his plan and his power at work. So that's why as Gideon prepares his army for this battle, God says to Gideon in Judges 7, 2 and 3, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 went home. 22,000. But 10,000 was still too many. Verse 4, God says, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. And in the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. And only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. Gideon started with 32,000 men. And God thinned that out to 300. 300 men to fight and take down 135,000 Midianites. That, that seems like an impossible task. It's an impossible task. It means that for every one of Gideon's men, there are 450 Midianites. That, that is a tactical and statistical impossibility. It can't be done by human standards. But that's exactly what God is trying to show Gideon. That's why he says specifically in Judges 7-2, if I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. God wanted Gideon and everyone else to know that it was God at work. He made it pretty clear. Gideon steps out in faith and he leads his army of 300 against 135,000 Midianites. In Judges 7, 21, we see God fight and win the battle. Gideon took his men down and it says, each man stood at his position around the camp and watched. Doesn't say they fought. They took their position and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. Those who were not killed fled to places as far away as Beth Shittah near Zerera and to the border of, of Abel, uh, Abel Mahola near Tabath. Gideon could not have won that battle. He could not have done that in his own strength. But that's why God said, go with the strength you have. I am sending you. I will be with you. He says the same thing to us, to you today. What are you facing today? What are you dealing with that seems like a complete impossibility? Are you willing to trust God completely in that thing. Now, it's one thing to hear that, that God can do the impossible, right? I mean, we can agree that, that, that God did this thing for Gideon over 3,000 years ago. It's another thing entirely to trust him and to step out in faith today 
right? I mean, this is, this is 2023, right? This is, this is different, right? No, no different. Only different in your mind. It's also easy to think that, that Gideon just heard God and just obeyed right away, right? Well, well, no. After arguing with God in chapter six, after needing all kinds of, of, of tests and, 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 and verifications, Gideon still has his doubts. God spoke again in chapter seven, verse nine. That night the Lord said, get up, go down into the Midianite camp, for I have given you victory over them. But if you are still afraid to attack, Go down to the camp with your servant Purah. Listen to what the Midianites are saying and you will be greatly encouraged and then you will be eager to attack. So Gideon took Purah and went down to the edge of the enemy camp. Gideon still has his doubts. But God gives him Purah. God spoke directly and plainly to Gideon and still he's unsure. So God says, take Purah. Go into the enemy camp you will both hear for sure. So they both go, and sure enough, they hear this man describing his dream to a friend. And in verse 14, the friend says, your dream can mean only one thing. God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelites, victory over, the, uh, over Midian and all its allies. Man, sometimes we need someone else to, to hear and to confirm what God has said. God gave Gideon Pura. The, the name Pura means branch. Pura was this branch for Gideon to hold on to. Do you have someone in your life like that right now? Someone who will go into the enemy's camp with you? Someone who is willing to, to listen and confirm what God is saying to you? Who do you have in your life right now that you can go and say, am I, am I hearing this right? If you have someone like that, praise God for that person. Verse 15 says, when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship before the Lord. If you have someone like Pura in your life, praise God for that person. Find that person today and tell them what they mean to you. Thank them and then continue to seek God's will together. If you don't have someone like that in your life, what are you gonna do about that? We all need someone like Pura who will go with us into the enemy camp, that, that branch to hold on to. Ask God to put someone like Pura into your life. But, but don't just ask and then wait around for it to happen because faith requires action. Seek out new friends. Seek out other believers. Be willing to step out and start a new friendship. That new friend might just be the Pura that you need. God had a plan for Gideon. God placed a calling on Gideon's life. He has plans for you as well. He has placed a calling on your life. Do you know what that calling is? Are you seeking out God's call on your life? Or, or are you just shuffling along at the bottom of the wine press? Are you just threshing, just, just marking time, doing whatever happens along day to day? If you don't know what God is calling you to, if you don't know what your calling is, ask God. Go to him directly, specifically. God, what is it that you would have me to do and to be? And when God says to you, mighty hero, the Lord is with you, believe him. 
Believe him. Go with the strength you have because he is sending you. Know that he will be with you and then act on that call. Step out in faith. When, God and, uh, when Gideon and, and Pura heard the call, they didn't just worship. Verse 15 goes on to say, Then Gideon returned to the Israelite camp and he shouted, Get up, for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite hordes. Gideon took action. That's the difference between belief and faith. Faith requires action. Gideon acted on his call with the strength that he had. And God did exactly what he said he was going to do. He does the same thing today. As the the worship team starts to make their way back up, ask yourself a couple of questions. What is God calling you to today? Has he spoken to you? Has he opened an opportunity for you? Has he showed you a direction to go? Are Are you arguing with him? Are you debating with him? Are you coming up with reasons why he's wrong? Ask him to grow your faith. And then go with the strength you have. Are you still at the bottom of that wine press? Are are you wondering what God has for you? Seek him out. Ask him to reveal himself to you. And then listen for him to speak, to guide. Trust him to lead you through whatever it is that he has for you. What are the gifts, talents, abilities, and passions that you have? How will you use those things for the kingdom of God? Who is your pura, your branch? Find someone who will seek with you, who will listen with you, who will encourage you and strengthen your resolve. And then finally, who are you being a pura for? Who are you encouraging and strengthening? Who are you willing to go into the enemy camp with? Who are you building up and standing with? Because God can use you in that role as well. You are God's masterpiece. You have been called. You are a mighty hero. Not because of your strength, but because of his. Go with the strength you have. He is sending you. He is with you. Isaiah 30, 21 says, your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the left or to the right. Grow in your faith. Step out in faith. Act on the faith you have. This is the way. Let's pray. Father, we know that you love us. And Father, we know that because you didn't just create us and throw us out into the world and wish us good luck, but you have created us for a purpose. Father, help us in the coming days to recognize the call that you have placed on our lives. And then Father, give us the courage, give us the strength to step out to act on that call, that we would become the men and the women that you have created us to be. Father, thank you for your great love for us, for your patience with us. Most of all, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who you gave for us.